Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace. And before we get into today's episode, I want to tell you about our sponsor, Cincy Shirts. Look, you love Cincy Shirts. You know Cincy Shirts. They've been with FC Cincinnati from the very beginning. We are big fans of their work here at The Post. But we are so happy to have them as a sponsor of the postcast. Look, if you go over to cincyshirts.com and check out with the promo code the post cincy, that's all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that you got it from us. That would be really, really helpful. Look, they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear that's available online or actually in two different retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. And guess what? The promo code does work in store. Again, the post Cincy, all one word all caps. And the best part about the in-store locations is that if they don't have your size on the shelf, well, they can print one for you on the spot. So again, cincyshirts.com slash thepostcincy or just use thepostcincy, all one word, all caps, when you check out to get 10% off your order. That's on any gear that they offer. And thank you again to Cincy Shirts for supporting this episode. And on this episode today, we are talking Brandon Vasquez transfer drama. Or it's not really drama unless it is you're fishing for clicks and engagement on Twitter, right? Will he, won't he? He he probably won't, folks, but it did rile up some of the worst elements of online soccer fandom. And we talk about Brandon Vasquez with the national team as well. In part two, we are joined by new staff writer for FC Cincinnati, Carter Chapley. He is very new with the club, but he is going to be writing more content. And we figured if we're going to see a new face, a new voice around FC Cincinnati, everybody ought to know him. So he sat down with us. We had a great conversation with him. We razz on St. Louis a little bit. We get into some Toronto background. It's, it's a good, good conversation. And then in part three, we are looking ahead to this weekend's epic, epic clash between FC Cincinnati fans and Taylor Swift fans parking. No, it's it's New England Revolution, folks, coming to town. This is a huge game. It's one versus two game of the season so far. You get our takes on that, and well, that'll be a postcast. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two men who weirdly in FC Cincinnati circles have not been taken hostage. Look, this was a big week for hostage taking for FC Cincinnati World. We first had Yerson Mosquera released, I guess, as a sign of goodwill from Canada to FC Cincinnati. While at the same time, FC Cincinnati is holding Brandon Vasquez hostage. What is happening? Is this, are these bad analogies? Have I run out of ideas? Chief, what is happening right now? I don't know. But what <laughs> I do know is that this is going to end with someone hiring Liam Neeson, because that's how this always happens, I think. Is you go, you hire Liam Neeson, and the problem gets solved with a very high body count along the way. I think if uh, Bupenza has a single visa hiccup, 
we have to put it on the table that Liam Neeson gets a call. A very peculiar, a very particular set of skills. <laughs> Grayson, if you had to be held up for two weeks in a hotel or a airport of your choice, which airport are you choosing? Uh, maybe in in Chon, in South Korea. Okay. Um, the sell me, uh, sell me on this airport. <laughs> the the airport lounge food was like just like good Korean like food, right? It's like it was like you know bibimbap and you know all types of like meats and it was hot. Nice, you know, they were bringing nice. it out. Um, if I remember correctly, I think the I think the bar may have been self serve. Oh, you know man. I could spend wow. two weeks. I could spend two weeks there. I mean, yeah. you got to go, you got to put Detroit high on this list because it's got the train inside the airport. That always plays. There's a hotel built inside the airport. Somebody's vaccinated. Yeah. <laughs> Obsessed with trains. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Two Sky Lounges. I'm just going to blow right by that. Two Sky Lounges. Um, uh, other high on the list, uh, underrated airport, the Orlando airport, because there is a escalator in the Orlando airport that serves no purpose other than to go up to a Chili's. So <laughs> nice. you can just ride an escalator right up to Chili's. You can hang out there for a couple of weeks. There are, there are worse places to spend two weeks than an airport that has a Chili's built into it. So coming back from the um, AFC Championship game 2022, the flight from Kansas City to Cincinnati, my flight stopped over in Detroit. And I had a very long layover. It was like four hours. So I saw an entire conversation of these two folks. I'm not, I don't want to age people, but let's say any, but also like based on like the hair and like various things they had done to their face, they could have been anywhere between like 45 and 70. <laughs> and I would have like believed you. Big yep. range. <laughs> but they didn't know each other. Um, they met at the bar at the, at the sky at the sky club the woman i guess had gotten off a of flight and just instead of leaving the airport went to the sky club that's a pro move incidentally. nice yeah. his his flight was delayed and they talked for like an hour two hours about like florida and how much they loved ron DeSantis and how much they loved donald trump jr and they got along so well that he changed his flight and they just left together. Whoa. What? Yeah. <laughs> what a baller move. <laughs> I guess that's was... one of those things that just sounds like a lot better of an idea after you're like four or five deep from the bar. No, but yeah. yeah they, the were, they were, you know, they were ordering for sure. Like they were yeah. it's free, free drinks, people. Yeah. I mean, what are you going to do? No, it's it just, was, it would, the, the real crime would be not drinking. You're losing day. money by not taking the free drinks. <laughs> it was RFK Jr. and Miriam Williamson, obviously. <laughs> 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 I, I, uh, the closest I ever come to seeing something like that happen was when we were flying. Uh, we took my in-laws on a trip and we stopped. We had a layover in Boston. And I saw a guy uh, make the worst attempt ever to run game at the bar in the Sky Lounge on these two <laughs> girls that were traveling. And he sat down next to him and he was, if there were, you know, were signals being given off, 
this man could not have been more oblivious to the no-go zone that he was entering himself into. And um, <laughs> it was just really fun to watch. Like, I know you don't want to talk about crashing and burning when you're about to, ver- about to board a flight, <laughs> but this man was crashing and burning about as hard as he could. Oh, man. I Man, that's great. I love that. Um, uh, speaking of... Ooh, so please. This is also not going to help the perception of the podcast I saw online where somebody <laughs> tweeted, I think that every one of the hosts lives in a different income bracket than I do. As we're talking about catching planes and hanging out in the Sky Club. They're, they're not a sponsor, so no, we're not getting paid to see this. If you guys want to hang out in, in the lounges, just go spend a couple minutes reading the points guy. Yeah. Right? He'll, he'll square you away. Yeah. There's, so many, there's so many options to get there, and it really does upgrade your your entire your entire travel experience it'll it'll um, change your perception of travel honestly yeah speaking of travel you guys saw like there was the um all the uh what do they call those things uh airplanes ufos no, the the, oh. the smoke that the jets leave behind chemtrails chem yeah, so there were all those chemtrails downtown uh <laughs> making the air bad um <laughs> despite yes. despite that i went out for a run today because they said it was like smoking two cigarettes, and I was like, well, I used to smoke way more than two cigarettes. <laughs> right. So this is not a problem right. for this me. Wait, wait, back. Wake <laughs> me up when it's a pack that I can go outside and have. Um, but I was, I, I was going down, um, down Redding, and there's this apartment that's across the street from the casino that has three flags out front. One is an FC Cincinnati flag. One is an American flag. And one is a Trump 2024 Take America Back flag huh but i noticed that this person had replaced their fc cincinnati flag with a reds flag and i was wondering is this because they lost or is he upset about the brandon vasquez hostage situation (laughs) many people are asking it's a huge Moochin gladback fan and he's furious that brandon isn't able to go or she or she, I mean, he. I know he. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, this person doesn't use pronouns, but they insist you call, they call, they call him he. Yes. <laughs> I, um, I had always dreamed of having, like, dreamed of, like, this is, like, a $100 dream here, um, of having a flag for, like, all of my sports teams and, like, all of them, like, all of my rooting interests, and that each day I would fly the flag of whatever team is playing, and I would have my own hierarchy, right? Like, obviously, FC Cincinnati will be top, so if FC Cincinnati and the Reds are playing, FCC goes, but, like, midweek... Cincinnati Reds are going up, you know, late in winter, maybe Everton's getting a flag, UC football's getting a flag. I uh, Then I realized this was just way too much work. No, what, you, no, what you need to do is you need to take your house and out front, you need to install 15 flagpoles in the front yard and turn your front yard into a little mini front of the United Nations with like 15 <sighs> flags all yes. flying simultaneously that represent all of your rooting interests and political aspirations. And actually, that's a good way to keep your house from being like on Google Maps. If you put a bunch of, because if you put a bunch of logos, like a bunch of logos and stuff out in your lawn, they have to like blur them or they blur them out. Or like Um, a flag, a Kashmir flag, a Palestinian flag, like anything that's going to be banned in other countries. Yes. (laughs) I saw a guy, there was a guy, um, who had a big like 
make America great again sign like that was basically like a flag that like the basically the size of his garage. Mm. And it was just like on his garage. And like the whole garage was blurred out on Google Maps. <laughs> so like this is like the only way to keep you from being like surveilled on the internet is I to did. put like just stuff that that Google doesn't want like people in France to see. Yeah. On your on your house. I do remember when uh, Brett Kavanaugh had asked uh, Google to remove his home from uh, Google Street View. If you went to his street, his house was the only one entirely blurred out. It's like, <laughs> I wonder which one's his. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what's there. <laughs> like, okay, you don't know exactly how his porch furniture is arranged. Yeah, the, but... <laughs> problem is, the problem is that people going to protest at his house, they go down to the street. And they're like, well, this isn't the street. All these houses are clear. None of them are blurry. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're looking for the giant blurry house. <laughs> it's, like, it's like the old Mitch Hedberg joke. I think Bigfoot is blurry. It's a large yeah. out-of-focus monster, and that's extra scary. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I actually showed my dad this video uh, this week, and you should look it up if you've never seen it. It is the stabilized Bigfoot footage. So the the very famous, I forget the official name of it, but the very famous 1967 Bigfoot video of Bigfoot walking through the woods does the iconic turn back. Um, if you find the stabilized footage on YouTube, it is so painfully obvious that it is just a dude in a gorilla suit walking that you don't realize how much the camera shake and the zoom is really, really adding to the uh, the allure there. <laughs> That's unfortunate, too, because if aliens are real, next I want Bigfoot to be real. I mean, we could I'd just... Rather, I'd rather Bigfoot than the aliens, personally. Is it like That's just because you're, you're a Bigfoot fan, or...? <laughs> I just feel like Bigfoot would be easier to deal with. <laughs> the Bigfoot, like, I, Bigfoot aliens, aliens that's got nothing to do with me the I, 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 we're operating from the assumption that we're fighting whatever this is so like one Bigfoot no problem hey aliens man, that's I, a real wild card I grew up in the United States of America <laughs> something something's coming we're gonna fight it first <laughs> but it isn't the commies it's the space aliens I saw Independence Day no if it's Bigfoot that raises a lot of questions about how observant we are that like yeah. this big ass monster has been around forever and we just haven't seen it versus like aliens. I can rationalize that. Like what we've searched, we've been to less than one, one trillionth of the universe and haven't found aliens. Like, yeah, I'll bet there's some out there, but if it's Bigfoot, it's like, we should have been keeping a closer eye on shit. Oh, you're asking what I'd rather there be aliens out there that we don't have any contact with. Yeah. I'm no, fine they, with that. Okay. No, I mean, they show up they, here. They, yeah. But then that's, that's the same problem as the Bigfoot. Except there's more aliens you're missing. Hmm. Yeah, there could be a lot of aliens. It does feel unlikely that one alien shows up, right? Like, that's not a solo mission, whatever's happening with that. <laughs> I feel like if... What a soccer podcast, huh? <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be a great transition when we're like, Brandon Vasquez, is he an alien? Discuss. <laughs> Speaking of Bigfoot. He is Superman. <laughs> I, there who was go. an alien. He's a humanoid alien. Man, what if the aliens are already amongst us? And what if they're playing for FC Cincinnati? Lucho does some other otherworldly stuff with his feet, all right? That's his little tricks. Appearing his little human. tricks. 
He's happy to be a villain. <laughs> this little trick is appealing human. It's funny. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's darting around the the field. No, we, let's talk about this. Let's get into this. Uh, we we had this queued up. It's got I mean it's got me fired up on Twitter. I know I know you guys have been tweeting about this. Look, let's let's just dedicate the first part of this podcast to not only Bigfoot but also Brandon. Vasquez, the Brandon Vasquez. Probably wears a big shoe. I mean, big feet. I don't know, but he probably has a big foot. (laughs) Until I see a genetic test, I don't have conclusive proof he isn't Bigfoot. (laughs) It was an exciting week for Brandon Vasquez. We're recording this before the the St. Kitts and Nevis game. We do know he's not starting, but I'll just assume he'll come off the bench and score and make everybody look stupid for not starting him. Uh, He salvaged the game against Jamaica and then subjected to rumors about him potentially being frustrated that he can't leave for Borussia Mönchengladbeck. It's one of the more absurd stories to come out of nowhere. I'm not entirely sure. I, I, so it's reported by uh, Univision reporter whose name is escaping me. Michaela Giannone. There we are. Um, I'm, just read, it out. I'm just going to read the tweet. Please, let's because, do Because the specific language of the tweet is actually is important. Very important. one of the most interesting things here. Yeah. It's, uh, it, this comes out on the 27th, which will be Tuesday night, out of left field at around 8 o'clock. Per sources, Borussia Mönchengladbach, Mönchengladbach, Gladbach. We can say Glordback. That's fine. Glordback. <laughs> Borussia not our friends. No, <laughs> but Mönchengladbach definitely sounds like a prequel senator in episode two. Uh, Borussia <laughs> Mönchengladbach wanted Brandon Vasquez as M. Thurm's replacement. They flew to Cincinnati to watch him, and even went to his house to present team project. Personal terms agreed, offer sent, but offer since he said no sale this summer against Vasquez's wishes. The next tweet, there was a follow-up. Player's desire is to go, but since he only opened to sell after MLS season is over as of this moment. Now there's no guarantees that Borussia Mönchengladbach will be there for the winter window. Tom Bogert first reported on interest. Galatasaray also showed interest, but nothing more. So there's a lot. There's a lot to digest and unpack here. And the first question to our resident expert, um, Grayson, isn't this tampering like the textbook definition of tampering? If FC Cincinnati isn't going to sell him this window, then why would they ever give permission to negotiate personal terms right now? Well, so there's a lot of there's a lot of ways to answer this question. Um, there's a certain like I, I saw a lot of this on Twitter. There's like a certain know-it-all answer that they'll say like, "Oh, tapping up happens um, all the t- all the time in world yeah. football." It's just how. Uh, it's just how um uh, uh just how, how, it works. How, how how it works yeah um but uh the other th- but but yes i mean that's true and there's been a lot of articles out there about like uh cracking down on you know what they call tapping up which is 
you know, clubs reaching out to players through their agents or whatever to try to like gauge their interest and get them to ask their club to to transfer them. Yeah. Um it is against FIFA rules. Yes. Article Article 18.3 of the FIFA rules regarding like the I think it's called the status the status and transfer of players is I think what it's called. Um it says it's it's against the rules for a team to attempt to negotiate a player who's more than six months before the end of their contract without the without the written permission of the player's current team. It also violates MLS standard player agreement to attempt to negotiate with another team without your team's permission to do so. And the key with both of those, right, is the permission mm-hmm. aspect. It's I'm not trying to get Brandon Vasquez in like contract jail. Only very clear here. Okay. Right, right. Um and I think that the what the isn't this tampering question gets to is if FC Cincinnati is really being like so obstinate and uncooperative in this process then surely they wouldn't have given Gladbach permission to negotiate with Vasquez, right? And that would be tampering, and that would violate Brandon Vasquez's contract with FC Cincinnati. And FC Cincinnati or, could sorry, appeal sorry, to with, with MLS. His but contract yeah. with MLS. Yeah, I'm sorry, yeah. right? But they could appeal that to FIFA and yeah. have have this club sanctioned. Chelsea had a multi year long transfer ban for doing shit like this. And they could take Brandon Vasquez to arbitration if they wanted to. Mm-hmm. Now, I, people are going to take that and say that we're saying Brandon Vasquez, should, that Cincinnati should no. be suing Brandon Vasquez. No, no, nobody's saying that. What I, th- I think it's very possible that if, if Gladbach went to his house and negotiated personal terms with him, that they had permission to do so because FC Cincinnati is, in fact, working to help Brandon Vasquez move to Europe at the end of the season and whether that was a, and this is something we've been saying here. It's what a lot of other people have been saying is that if a transfer for Brandon Vasquez were to go through this season, it would be a, you know, deal in the summer loan back for the rest of the year. He joins in the, in the winter after the European transfer window opens. Yeah. Um, and that's like, that's been reported. Um, I put out on Twitter. Vasquez did that interview with Hercules Gomez um, before the season where he said, you know, I'm he acknowledged he's going to be with FC Cincinnati for this entire season and he hopes to move to Europe after. Um, you know, all of that has been out there. Yeah. So it's extremely weird <laughs> for this for this Michaela Giannone guy to put out what is frankly old information because we yeah. knew it, it was reported by, I think Tom Bogert. Yes. That Nashville, that sorry, that Gladbach came to the Nashville game. Yes. To watch Brandon Vasquez play. That game was in March. Okay. So whatever happened with them probably happened in March. Cause that's when Gladbach was in the United States. Um, we also don't know anything about what transfer fee was right. offered for Vasquez. Right. 
Um, and then, you know, all we know, I guess, is that Gladbach wanted him to move in the summer and FC Cincinnati didn't want to do that. Well, it's a very different story if Gladbach said, we'll give you $25 million if you send him to us in the summer, or we'll give you $4 million if you send him to us in the summer. Right. 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 And so like, (laughs) given that it was back in March, given that there's nothing on the transfer fee, the only new piece of information in this tweet is the against Vasquez's wishes part. Right. Right. And like, that could be as simple as, you know, he would love to go in the summer, but he also understands that the time for him to transfer is in the winter. And he understood that when he signed the contract extension. Um, right. And I'll, I'll, I feel like I've been going on for like a long time. It's just like, there's so much to say. And I guess the, the, well, the way I'll close it is the tweet purposely is written to make it seem like Gladbach was here like yesterday. Right. Trying to get trying to get a deal done with Brandon and FC Cincinnati said, fuck off. We're not talking to anybody until the winter. And that that made Brandon upset. Right. Right. That is how it's written. That is clearly the intent (laughs) behind what feeling they want to put out. Right. And it's very common for these like rumor soccer journalists to put out stuff that is kind of vaguely written. Full of like room for interpretation and inference and it it obviously is meant to like inflame conversation but then when that happens they step back and you know they have plausible deniability because well i never said that or they get offended at your obvious interpretation of what they said yeah (laughs) it's it is ridiculous and i what's not clear to me though is like this is one of those things where you tell oh his agent plant this planted this story but like would his agent plant this story like it's a weird i don't know chief like what what's the angle for somebody in vasquez's circle to drop this to me this feels like it coming from Gladbach, but I don't know why they'd be reaching out. I mean, it's if you read if you read the tweet and you read through it, it could well be very well be the case, like Grayson was saying, that in a conversation, either Vasquez himself or one of Vasquez's people say, "Oh yeah, no, we were talking to Borussia. They came over. They really wanted him. They were even at his house. It was a a big deal. We were talking terms." they really wanted him here this summer, uh, but FCC wanted that loan back and we just couldn't get to it. And, uh, you know, we, we couldn't make the deal happen. And then everything about that tweet that he says sends is accurate. But the tone of what he wrote, right. it gives the implication that this happened. They put the full court press. Everyone wanted this deal and was pushing for this deal. And FC Cincinnati was the big bad guy that said no on it. When really everybody understood what was going on, they just couldn't work it out, and they're going to circle back to it at some point this winter, maybe. Or maybe in this window, they make the agreement on the loan, and it it still comes together. But it's all about tone and that idea of, yeah, you're going to kick the hornet's nest, and you're going to fire up a lot of different portions of Twitter (laughs) and generate interest on this. Because you write it this way, and it gets all the FC Cincinnati people like, oh, What's going on with Brandon Vasquez? 
But the other hornet's nest it kicks is one of the worst <laughs> bits of, of Twitter right now. And that is this, this Venn diagram overlay of anti-MLS pro-rel truthers and the U.S. men's national team Euro snob contingent for which every player in the U.S. national player pool that isn't going to Europe is a failure. Yes. And people that believe that MLS is holding the United States national team back and people where this take was repeated frequently that genuinely believe that there is some moral imperative to move any player who wants to go to Europe to <laughs> Europe immediately, irrespective of contract valuation, irrespective of a club attempting to you know, win games and do right by fan bases here locally and grow the game here locally. No, if this player who is an American wants to go to Europe, everybody should stop what they're doing and sell that player to Europe, which is why even in the, the absence of a transfer fee, terms of the transfer, any of that information, immediately that portion of the internet pivoted to, um, well, FC Cincinnati is holding this player hostage and this is a bad look for FC Cincinnati. Like, how can you say this is a bad look for <laughs> FC Cincinnati when you don't even know the dollar value being placed on Vasquez? It could have been $1 million for all anyone knows. That number's not in the tweet. Yet you've got fucking weirdos like Hercules Gomez, you know, throwing emojis out there and insinuating that this is bad for FC Cincinnati and bad for the league and this is not good and they're, you know, free Vasquez hashtag. It's absurd. And that's what this tweet is designed to play to. It's designed to play that up, get those interactions going. And bravo, he succeeded in that. But it revealed something that kind of sucks about how a large portion of this country views the role of MLS and also views um, the aspirations and goals of players, too. It, it, it sucks. Yeah. There was a, a tweet in particular. Um, I am not familiar with this individual. They have 7,000 followers on Twitter, which is not nothing, I guess, popular in U.S. men's national team circles. Um, they, they sent out this one, which I loved. Uh, for anyone trying to say, quote, they're trying to win MLS Cup, quote, or something to that effect, MLS Cup grants the winners $300,000. Add in the playoffs and the winner will take home a little over a million dollars. Cincinnati would wake, wake way more selling Vasquez than they would winning MLS Cup, which is interesting because it does make you wonder if every single team in the Premier League that is not going to win or finish in Champions League spot, if they should have an automatic trigger that sells any player for a bid that will be more than the total prize money that they'll win at the end of the year. It's, it's absurd. Why, why do the people who hate MLS, who view MLS as a business only, that it's not true footy, mate, as they tweet from their Dearborn, Michigan apartment, that these guys, they feel this way, but then also are like saying MLS should make strictly business decisions and should abandon any pretense of sport. 
what is what is happening with this but it's also a business decision that's like oh great playoff games are butts and seats right right, right. it's right. concession money it's, it's you it's know people buying t- buying yes. more season tickets next year right selling like, more merch like winning winning trophies is worth a lot more than just the the prize money the prize it's, money it's but like, like these yeah by that logic I don't know off the top of my head what the what the prize money is for winning like the Premier League or the uh Champions League but like it's probably not as much as you would get if you sold Erling Holland <laughs> right <laughs> uh, and so like the only teams in the world who shouldn't be selling players to at the drop of a hat are players like And I know we're getting into the other bucket of of haters on on here, but it's like the teams on the cusp of promotion. Yes. Right. Because promote promotion is worth like what, like a hundred million dollars or something. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. But it's 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 not just that, too. It's this it's this cynical idea that MLS is a seller's league. So MLS should always sell. Right. And that also intersects with this idea that the only true way for a player to develop is to go to Europe. And if Brandon Vasquez isn't going to Europe, he is not developing, he's being held back, and MLS is holding back the development of an American soccer player. What's truly and deeply ironic about this is that the same people saying this right now yes. are also the people that want Brandon Vasquez nowhere near the national team because he's an MLS player. That these are the people where you can't take Brandon Vasquez to Qatar. He's an MLS player. What do we need an MLS player in Qatar for? But then by the same token, well, how dare you hold him back? We need him to develop. It's like, no, you don't want him, man. You've already said he's not good enough for you. And it's just, it's deeply revealing that their view on Vasquez will change the second he signs with Borussia, Dorton, Gluten, Globen, Globen, whatever the fuck Borussia, not Dortmund. Borussia, the other Borussia. Right. So he too can play on a team that has the only drama in their season is seeing how early uh, Bayern Munich will clinch the title this year. Congratulations. <laughs> what a great thing to see for sporting merit. But it's like, hilarious that they have to like invent three different kinds of playoffs for these leagues just to give like anybody but more than four anything to play for over the course of the year. So it's like, yeah. oh yeah, we're going to do the uh, Europa Conference League. Now, so you can go play, uh, you know, Hiduck Split. <laughs> so you can win a trophy because you are never going to win the Bundesliga ever. Right. You will never win this league. I loved that. That like, oh, the trophy's not worth as much in MLS. He should go win a trophy in Europe. It's like, well, great. That team's not winning a trophy. So pick a different team if you want him to to have success. I do have a theory about this US men's national team fan. I don't know if I've I've you know sort of expressed this on the on the podcast. I was thinking about writing something about this but then I remembered the post doesn't write articles uh anymore except for Taylor Swift articles. Go check it out on the website. Um is there is this US men's national team fan has adopted the US men's national team as their club team. So like they are nominally like a European soccer fan. Sure, they probably follow a, a Premier League club, whatever. But most of them have never been to 
a Manchester United match or whatever their team is, right? But they've probably been to U.S. men's national team matches. And they're probably a member, engaged or not, but probably a member of an American Outlaws chapter near them. So to them, the U.S. men's national team is their club team. So for something like this, Vasquez being on FCC and not in Europe is a bad transfer for their club team, which is the U.S. men's national team. And it's fucking bizarre. And it's the same people who, as we've said, are like vehemently in favor of pro-rel because they think that's why they like European soccer. But what it is is that they just, for whatever reason, they gravitated towards the national team instead of a club team. They probably just don't live in an MLS market. And they defend it with like this fierceness that just does not exist with other national teams. That like the Italian national team's important, don't get me wrong, they love the World Cup, but they would trade a World Cup for their club winning five titles in a row every time. US men's national team guys will not do that. And that's the difference there. Yeah. So most I think you're right. Like for the most part, these guys are not professional national team players, right? They make their money playing for their club team. That's who has the most money invested in them. Yeah. And I think it's important to kind of define what a national soccer team is because this isn't like the army, right? <laughs> this is like, like us soccer is not like a arm of the, of the government. Right. I mean, it probably has that more members like, than Space Force. <laughs> that is like, uh, uh, you know, doing stuff like for our benefit. Now, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm a fan of the national team. Yep. Um, it gives me like, like a lot of pride to watch, you know, watch the quality of players that we have. And I really enjoy watching the national team games. Right. But I, but I support like the players. The U.S. Soccer Federation is like a territorial arm of a global organized crime organization <laughs> called FIFA. And it, it uses its like monopoly and stranglehold over like the rules of global soccer to yes. force clubs to give its like little capos use of their, of the club's professional players to play in like international windows and international tournaments and things to make the, the FIFA mafia money. Right. And they yes. all like kick up, you know, like they're all kicking up to various levels and you got FIFA at the top. Right. Yep. A lot you of know? wet in the beak going on. So like us soccer, it's, it's, it's a corrupt organization. You know, like it has been a corrupt organization. It's in bed with corrupt organizations. Like you don't. And I was thinking, I was thinking just think about this with like the players were missing and stuff. And it's all for U.S. soccer's benefit. Yeah. So they're they're like, oh, we have to have Nations League now. We have to have Gold Cup. And. Um, you know, it's one thing to care about the national team. But like. What's good for the national team simply cannot be the motivating factor for how a club makes decisions regarding its own players. 
Also, no. what is the national team anymore? I mean, Jesus Christ, you've got you've got the A team that plays in the World Cup and in the Nations League, and you've got the B team that they've sent to the Gold Cup, and then you'll have like the C team that plays below that. I mean, at some point, there are going to be so many goddamn made-up cups and made-up friendlies that you're going to be calling in players from Loose City and the Tampa Bay Rowdies and giving them national team minutes because the player pool for the national team is ever expanding to sell more tickets and be the Harlem Globetrotters of soccer with, you know, I believe that we will win being belted out <laughs> all over the country. I just, I'm, I'm, I'm in favor of the national team. I just don't, on a, on a fundamental level, I don't understand people that are obsessive over the national team, especially yeah. when they live in cities, which now the overwhelming majority of the population lives in a city with either an MLS club or a USL championship club that they can watch to thumb your nose at that and view all of that as just something that is in service to the national team is just a, a method of being a, a soccer fan. I don't understand. Now, I will say this. The national team serves a very different function for the women's game where, you know, it's very important with growing the women's game, and it is really how most of the prominent women's players make themselves enough money to, like, yeah, you know, earn a good living because club teams often pay so little. So, like, what I would, but still, like, yeah. well, and USSF has abused their authority there, absolutely, yeah, in keeping women playing in the US and not overseas. Chief, to your point, I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, so I apologize if I'm stomping all over like a clever joke. They did call in a Louisville player in January, yeah, <laughs> so, they did. okay, okay, yeah, <laughs> so there's another aspect of this I want to talk about too before we move on because I think it's really important to point out, and it's bothering me that this got glossed over a lot in the conversation. And that's that it is this expectation that FC Cincinnati should be selling one of their most important players in the middle of a title run. Like that's not important. And also glossing over this idea that, look, okay, if you want to believe that this is something that like teams should be doing, they should be selling players, they should be moving players overseas. That there's no acknowledgement whatsoever that it is in, an incredible, incredible competitive detriment for a team like FC Cincinnati to sell a player like Brandon Vasquez under MLS salary rules. Because Brandon Vasquez is a, on a TAM deal, which means that it does not matter how much money FC Cincinnati gets back in the deal. They could be, like when you were talking earlier about knowing what the bid is from Borussia, like, oh, it could be 25 million, it could be 4 million. Functionally speaking, those two numbers mean the same thing to FC Cincinnati in terms of their ability to secure a replacement player for Brandon Vasquez right now. Because the most they can spend acquiring a replacement player is the max salary budget charge in MLS plus a million dollars. So I think it's like 1.6 something million. I they think. get like $1.1 million in GAM. Yeah. For him. So like you would you can convert up to one point one million dollars of the transfer fee into GAM. So that ideally will help you 
at your roster because it's more cap spend, but it's like woefully insufficient for the reasons you stated right. to replace a, a player like Brandon Vasquez. Right. Like if you sell a player like Brandon Vasquez for $25 million, you cannot go out and spend $25 million on a transfer fee for a new player because you, under MLS rules, you have to amortize that transfer fee over the course of a contract. That's why Wobodo is a designated player. He makes under the DP threshold, but we are still paying off a prorated portion of his transfer fee that moves his contract up to DP level. I'm going to say is, something very annoying. He makes above the DP threshold in salary, but he makes below max TAM. Okay, sorry. No, that's, <laughs> I hate this league. I hate this league. Roll a D20 for initiative on this contract. <laughs> Fucking stupid. But... It reveals like, okay, if this is what MLS wants to be, there needs to be some mechanism changed in this league that allows teams, if you're going to have to sell in the summer window like this, if we're not going to align ourselves with the FIFA calendar internationally, which we shouldn't, because that'd be fucking stupid to be playing games in Minnesota in January. Um, we'll have more people complaining of frostbite if we do that. Um, that, was just, that was in Minnesota, right? Frostbite gate? Yeah. Yep. yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, there needs to be some mechanism, whether it's some portion of the transfer fee can be spent on an incoming transfer without that having to be amortized over the course of the contract. The league needs to do better at letting teams and helping teams replace big name transfers, especially when they are not designated players being signed or set. Yeah. Oh, completely, completely agree. Yeah, I, the calendar is a big one, too. Um other leagues, there are other leagues that don't do this. So don't believe somebody when they tell you the world, the rest of the world uses this calendar. Um, Australia and Japan, I'm pretty sure don't. Scandinavia absolutely doesn't. Ireland doesn't. Um, and probably worth noting here, a little country called Brazil. You might have heard of some of their players playing before. They play a very similar schedule to MLS. I think... I mean, we could sit here and talk about this all day. Maybe they come up with a Aperture Clausura thing where you play League's Cup in the middle of the season and technically the season wraps around the other way, but functionally games are being played at the same time. But yeah, there's not a good solution there. I also want to point out too, to uh, Grayson's point, this is something that like once it was pointed out to me, I can't stop unseeing it. Is like with FIFA and even with like UEFA and um, CONCACAF is that the regulatory body that is supposed to be determining what the clubs are doing appropriately and inappropriately is the exact same body that is putting on the tournaments. And that is such a conflict of interest <laughs> that like, it is absolutely mind blowing that they are the same organization and that there aren't two organizations. There isn't the event staff and then the, uh, the police staff. It is insane that these people are all all operating under the what, same roof international soccer is corrupt what i know <laughs> did you not watch united passions with us this winter <laughs> it's an organization for good yeah i watch united passions and i was convinced up until this moment <laughs> how dare you <laughs> is there anything else we need to touch on with brandon vasquez other than like I guess it's technically possible he leaves this summer. Somebody's going to have to blow FCC away with a massive cash offer, but they I don't would need think to be blown happening. away with a massive cash offer, and they'd have to have someone 
who they could acquire on that deal. And what you're basically looking for is a unicorn situation like they got with Miazga last year, where it is a player on a free who they can then sign to a max TAM contract to stay under the DP threshold. And unfortunately, the number one mechanism that allowed them to do that last year, the allocation order no longer uh, no longer exists. So, oh boy. Yeah, um, yeah and like 1.1 million GAM, that's like a, you know, average starting center back in MLS is what that gets you. Might not be um, the worst thing right now, right? But, <laughs> uh, but I, so I will say I, we don't need to go into detail on this, but um, you know, a special fuck you to the U.S. men's national team because Brandon Vasquez is not in the starting lineup tonight. What? Uh, well, if you're a U.S. men's national team is my club kind of guy, you might be wondering, whoa, is he sitting out because of an impending transfer? Is is it is he holding out? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, it's so, so stupid. He'd be starting um, if he was a Gladbach player. Yeah. You know what would work? Yeah, again, Chief, we would need to find a unicorn situation. But you've got to find a team with a player who is also very, very good, maybe towards the back end of their career, but willing to come to Cincinnati for a player swap with cash. And there's no transfer I, fee. I have an idea. We signed Bigfoot. I. Done. I like his frame. I like deadly in the box. Fox in the box. You can't find him. He gets <laughs> lost in there. VAR never able to capture good footage of him committing a foul. <laughs> you talk about lens distortion. This guy invented it. <laughs> I also came up with. Uh, um, I think that this the answer to all this is more different types of words that end in am so like yes. we have gam we have tam last week i proposed uncle sam which is a pool of money that you can use to buy players when they're called into national team duty for replacements I like um, this. so we need another type of am that covers this situation i think everything will be okay grayson was it you or or maybe it was somebody else in the discord suggested tram where you get yeah. transfer allocation money where and you get 80 percent of the outgoing transfer can be spent on an incoming transfer right and it's like i was thinking like you could spend some percentage of the um of the transfer fee that you get I mean, i'm open to any percentage up to 100 percent of it i don't care sure um <laughs> And it's like you you spend that on a transfer fee within, let's say, like that window or the next window mm -hmm. and the transfer fee doesn't hit your cap. So you just, all you got to worry about is their their salary um, salary. So the types of like players who would be available to you on like non DP deals are like. You know, Obi. Yeah, Obi yeah. one uh, Reynoso when he came went to. Minnesota. I think he's on a new contract now, but he was he was on like eight hundred thousand dollars salary. Uh, Zellerayan might have been on like yeah. seven hundred thousand dollars salary when Columbus first signed him. He's way up now, but is Lucho uh, at a million right now? Is he making more? No, than that? Lucho's uh, like Lucho's two, above two. Oh, two okay, five. Okay. Yeah. I was thinking it was at one five. Underpaid. Okay. Um, but you know, like you could get a lot of really good players who make you know under a million and a half in salary but would require a transfer fee I, if, you I, had, if you had something like this 
I do see a flaw in this situation, and that's that if the story broke that Cincinnati was acquiring uh, a lot of tram, you would really trigger the anti-streetcar people online. <laughs> FC Cincinnati that suddenly sounds has... Like an, that sounds like a feature. <laughs> suddenly has $8 million to spend yeah. on tram. Whoa, whoa! <laughs> Orlando, Orlando acquires $10 million in tram, and Ron DeSantis is sending inspectors to Disney World. <laughs> as long as they're not playing sports. <laughs> oh, so good. Uh well, on that note, should we bounce over to our interview? Um we had a uh, a lovely lovely conversation with Carter Chapley, new staff writer for FC Cincinnati. Um uh, he's only been on the job for a week, so God bless him. He didn't know any better. He, he came and talked to us and uh we had a really good conversation. So, uh enjoy this and on the backside, we are going to preview quote unquote New England Revolution visiting FC Cincinnati. Joining us, a very special guest joining the postcast tonight. We've got staff writer, new staff writer for FC Cincinnati, Carter Chapley. Carter, how you doing this evening? I'm good. I'm just kind of getting ready for this weekend against New England. It's been a long week at the uh, MHTC, so it's good to sit down and talk with you guys and just kind of kick back a little bit. Yeah, no, we're so happy to have you here. Happy to to dive into what you're doing with FCC. I do want to start off though. This this might be you know a, a bit of a controversial question to start off with, but I need you to rank these three items for me, best to worst. I got ketchup chips. I got roasted toasted ravioli. I got Cincinnati chili. I oh, need them in an order here. That's that's, really, that's genuinely very difficult. Um, um, I would probably go, and this is going to be. I think you're right. This is this might be controversial. Uh, toasted ravioli. Wow. Cincinnati chili, ketchup chips. I, okay. I, I, if you had said all dressed chips, I might have gone with that number one. Ooh. Uh, but okay. I, I, I do not like ketchup chips even a little bit. So it's not, but a, a, a solid T-Rav is, uh, is, is quality. I have yet to, um, I've only got Skyline once since being here. It was at Hell is Real uh, when I came to visit on my interview and we got it from, we were on the other side of the Bailey. So I, I, I want to go to like a real Skyline before I do like, a real evaluation you know you have stadium it's like stadium food versus like in-house you got to try it both places and decide if you really like it what you have to do is you got to pick a one of the random neighborhood chili parlors just pick one at random does it doesn't matter and just say okay. like oh this i was told this is the place to go this is the only place <laughs> i eat it this is the best place in town i refuse <laughs> to eat anywhere else just to develop like a little personality quirk okay so that right away that was, was a question better. i had is like it's not just Skyline. It, there are local parlors that do this yes. style as well. That I can get on board with. That I will absolutely and, take your advice and on if that. You, if you want to put off actually having to have the whole full Skyline experience, you can just say, oh, well, I've been told that I have to go to <laughs> Camp Washington, Chile, and I just haven't had time to drive out there yet. So I'm holding off until I can actually get to the real place. Yes. Get the good stuff. I will say, to blend in quickly, 
don't call it skyline chili broadly it is cincinnati chili that, cincinnati that chili. Is, my apology no you're fine you work for the club they're a sponsor you call it skyline chili but just in general <laughs> <laughs> i will say i i did i did tweet about needing to try it or not not being interested in trying it after and then see trent rosencrantz of the athletic for the uh the reds writer was like no that's not happening. I'm taking you with me, like <laughs> against your will. I'll kidnap you. And I was like, okay, all right. See, so you said. So you've already chosen sides in the C. Trent Kirk Herb Street War. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've known C. Trent for a little while because I, I we can get into this, but I was covering the Cardinals beforehand, and so in in division rivalries, you get to know the writers really, really well, and so. Uh, C. Trent and my guy Derek Gould have been really tight for years, so they introduced me a while back. But so given that, I do quite early. I do have a question. Better fans, the St. Louis Cardinals or FC Cincinnati? Uh, so far, <laughs> FC Cincinnati. <laughs> Good answer. So far. So far, we have plenty of time. Plenty I mean, of time I, to disappoint you. I have. I haven't seen FC Cincinnati fans go on like a three-win month of May and absolutely crater the the, the franchise. So, who who knows? I mean, every game I've been to at, at TQL Stadium has been sold out. Whereas not every game I went to at Bush Stadium was sold out, and yet they claimed it to be. So, <laughs> to me, that's pretty uh, so easy choice. Easy choice. You know, FC Cincinnati has gone through like three win seasons, right? Age <laughs> <laughs> of there for that. I wasn't there for that. <laughs> it didn't happen. He he didn't observe it. It didn't happen. I love that. <laughs> so I I'm curious. We we call you the staff writer. Um, what are you doing for FC Cincinnati? Tell tell us a little bit about your role here. Yeah. So the first part of the role is is I am essentially going to serve as a team reporter, so to speak. Uh, I'm at practice every day. I'm on the road with the team. Uh, I work out of the training center, so I'm in the same building as them. And we're going to start writing more stories, notebooks, features, profiles about the players that sometimes local media doesn't have. Um, I don't know if it's the time or the access or the or the investment quite yet. I know I've met some amazing writers covering the team, Pat and Moral in particular. I've, I've spent some time with them at, at MHTC recently and at uh, TQL for the Toronto game. Um, but so we're just going to do even more investment into that kind of thing. And that's where we're kind of starting. And so I've been doing the game previews, the notebooks. We're starting to invest a little bit more character into our into our coverage. So I've been brought on to kind of be the a, a spokesperson, so to speak, in that sense. So we have the uh, I'll give a little preview. I'm not sure when this episode goes up, but we have, of course, it's a big weekend in Cincinnati, especially downtown. Uh, so this week's preview is going to be incredibly Taylor Swift oriented. Nice. So just adding some character. It's still going to have all the great information, you know, talking to the players, getting the information from from Pat Noonan. But we're just going to have a little bit more fun with it and try and build some character into what we're doing. Um, not that they weren't before, but it's just, we're investing heavily in, in ourselves right now. And so uh, we, you know, I'm one of many brought into the club, though I might be the most public. Nice. Oh, and then the great. second part of it, sorry, not to- No, not, you're good, you're good. Question. And then the second part of it is gonna be working with the community relations team to tell the stories of like the stuff in the community. So uh, I'm not working on this project right now, but they just had the learning is fun event at um, the Cincinnati Zoo. We might write a, a story about that or go out and talk to the guys about how what they like about the Cincinnati Zoo. I know a bunch of them were really enamored by the giraffes out there. We got some great pictures online. <laughs> um, so it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a primarily soccer coverage. That's going to be the goal. It's a lot of talking to the players, talking to the coaches, the, the guys. 
But there is going to be some community event stuff that we're going to do as well to kind of highlight the stuff we're doing in and around uh, OTR and uh, Cincinnati as a whole. You're going to have the players guess how many Luchos tall the giraffes are at the, at oh. at the zoo? No comment. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> that might be a good one, though. <laughs> That thing's got to be five luchos tall. Come on now. <laughs> We're going to make it an official unit of measurement. God damn it. We're going to I'm going to die trying. <laughs> he, he takes a strike from 15 luchos out. My oh, see, come on. That's so good. <laughs> I, I think, I think there's a future for that. So before FC Cincinnati, um, I, I did this, this podcast is not known for its research. I did a half-hearted Google here beforehand. You come to us from St. Louis. We've mentioned St. Louis a few times. Yeah. Uh, what what were you doing before Cincinnati here? Uh, so I was the digital baseball producer at the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Um, it was a title that was kind of in the middle of everything. So it was a lot of web coverage. It was a lot of, uh, for example, something you guys might relate to, producing podcasts, a lot of video um, a little bit of writing, but it was all oriented around the Cardinals because mm. uh, don't need to tell anybody this. The Cardinals run that town more than <laughs> anything. Uh, they are the most popular team in the city by far. And so we invested in it. Um, and so I kind of grew and developed from there. Uh, when St. Louis City SC came through, I kind of got put onto that a little bit more as well because we were trying to like, we didn't really know what to do with it. And it's inaugural season. It turned out to be a really big success in the city. The fans really um gravitated towards it and so once i started doing more soccer coverage um it when this position opened at fc at fc cincinnati it be, kind of became a oh well that'd be an interesting thing to go do there as like the lead guy rather than me the, the third or fourth guy in the totem pole which i learned a lot at the post dispatch so don't get me wrong um but it was like an opportunity to kind of grow and 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 be the be the number one guy so to speak and so i uh i jumped at the opportunity and, and here i am so i started at the post dispatch and i kind of did um, and then before that, I covered college basketball. So I know I'm in the heart of Dayton land now, but I am a proud St. Louis University Billiken. And uh, uh, and I will be making the trek up to Dayton for the Arch Baron Cup later this uh, this winter. <laughs> so what? I'm not what sure if there's a, any flyers in this group chat, but what is a Billiken? <laughs> uh, it, it is the manifestation of things as they should be. Um, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that is that is legitimately it. it the Billiken is a like a little figurine from like pre-World War One, that was like super popular as like a like a uh, paperweight or like a desk doll, like a desk doll or something like that, a knickknack. And then as soon as World War One happened, it just went completely out of fashion. So the team, the school named their athletics program after a coach who kind of looked like one. And then World War One happened and the, the reference went completely out of style. And but it stuck. And so it is a, a, a creature that as a manifestation of things as they should be. So that is a, it, there is only one Billiken and it's at St. Louis University. <laughs> wow. That's, that's a, deeply that's a philosophical. Heavy, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's a heavy mascot. Now, is it a problem that apparently the Billiken was invented in Kansas City, Missouri? Oh. Um, I don't think so. Um, I'm not sure. Um, I know like it's it, the, the team was named after a football, the school doesn't have football anymore, but named after a football coach who looked like one. So I don't know if it's like, I don't know if it like the, the regionality of it matters as much as just kind of like this one dude looked like it. And it kind of stuck. Did they, did they See, hate this guy? <laughs> it seems incredibly mean. I think the head coach's name was Billy. And so okay. it was like, Billy's Billikens take the field. And it was in that old transatlantic. Um, 
uh, yeah. accent. And so it kind of stuck. But that, All right, so you, you've got my brain in a pretzel right now. It's a physical manifestation of the way things should be. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. But like if I'm on the other team, the way things should be is me well, beating your team. No, so you're your wrong. mascot. That's too, that's too bad. I mean, that's really disappointing. <laughs> That's really disappointing. <laughs> yeah, so, you know what I'll start doing then? I'll start bringing a Billiken doll to uh, to yes. teach stadium every Saturday. I'll, I'll make that happen. We'll put one up. I'll see about getting one put up in the Bailey. I'm sure that'll go over really well with our lower Dayton alum and at the at the at the uh, club or save your fans with a really long memory. Yeah, the, really. the old A10. Yes. yes. Gosh. The, yes. The Billiken sprang that. from the height of the mind cure craze in the United States at the start of the 20th century. It represented the no worry ideal. There so you go. the Billiken is a Hakuna Matata. <laughs> I've never heard a bit like that, but I like it. It's going to be really funny because like you guys are going to put this out about how we talked about Billikens and all of my like Twitter followers are going to be like, yep, sounds about right. Like you talked about Billiken somehow. <laughs> yeah, we get the soccer up, stuff out of the way. That's like part of the up, course for us. You brought up us. Canada and you brought up the Billikens. That sounds like Carter. Like, <laughs> Yeah, I, I should I should probably tell you, or Kevin probably should have told you before we invited you on. We are not well known for our soccer discussion acumen, and we are God, like routinely that. routinely want to fall off on a tangent. So, <laughs> yeah, I like that. I went I went on a like when I was in covering St. Louis City. It was like week, it was like pre match one in St. Louis. We had just they had just beaten Austin in week one, and I got invited on a radio show to talk about like the players on the team, and I was like, I have not met these guys yet i've looked at, i've looked at a spreadsheet so like i get it when it's like coming up with talking about talking points that are not soccer i've <laughs> done that I, I can do that all day <laughs> and how did you feel about how st louis city did st louis billiken kip keller dirty in that wow. game so that oh gosh um that's so funny because like i literally screamed kip no as he <laughs> <laughs> one of my one of my first feature stories as a uh, student journalist was about Kip Keller and his recruitment at, to to slew soccer, and so like I have a really good uh, connection with with that class of guy, Simon Betcher with with Vancouver, uh, Patrick Schulte with Columbus. Hmm. Um, they're all Billikens, and so it was like Kip turned around to make that pass, and I was like, no, <laughs> not him, anyone but him. Yeah, Gra it, it, Grayson it won't bad. let it go that last year during the MLS Super Draft, Kevin and I were apoplectic that FC Cincinnati didn't draft Kip Keller because we needed help on the back line. And we were highly critical of the draft pick of Roman Celentano because we all wanted Kip Keller. We both wanted Kip Keller. I think I literally <laughs> tweeted that I would kill myself if they did not draft Kip Keller. <laughs> I had a very reasoned argument for why it made perfect sense to draft just GA goalkeepers have a much more consistent hit rate than GA defenders <laughs> if you go back through MLS super yeah. drafts. That's so funny because I remember watching that and being like, because I, I was following for Patrick Schulte and I was like, another Roman, Roman gets taken before him and I was like, who's this guy? <laughs> Turns out he's really, really good. So. Well, he did have it worked the, out for the best. He had the good fortune of going viral like right before the draft with his like double save. It was like, it was like four save, it was like a four yeah. save sequence yes. for Indiana in the, yes. in the yes. NCAA tournament. Yeah. Oh my gosh. What a, what a time in my coverage of San Luis University. Gosh, taking me back. I so, used to do so, a podcast called Billiken Babble where I had a whole soccer draft thing where I had someone come on explain and explain Generation Adidas to me. It was great. I had a great time.
We have it's, a uh, we have a long-standing theory on this show that once it gets past the second round, nobody really knows who's being drafted. So we had a plan at one point to start trying to gaslight someone in MLS to draft a random soccer player by just like writing a blog and picking just some guy out and say, oh, he had a great uh, first touch, incredible movement in the box. Just pick a guy where none of his games are on YouTube and just start gassing somebody up to see if we can convince someone to draft. He's a great ball playing winger who who profiles as like a right back in Major League Soccer. The best guy in D3. He could have gone D1, but he wanted to stay near his mom. Yes, yes. That's the guy you, you want. <laughs> oh. So, I mean, so you yeah. you're working out in St. Louis, and you said that your job interview here was during Hell Is Real. That's a hell wow. of a sales pitch to move to Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, what? So, like, it's funny because like my first Zoom interview was the Wednesday before uh, FCC at St. Louis, and so I was sitting there and I was looking looking at my wall calendar, and I was like, "They're all going to be here like in three days." And so I went to the game and I kind of talked to everyone there, and I I think that helped because. We talked pre-game, which I don't know if they would have been as open to talking to me post-game. But there was a torn—I don't know if we remember—there was a tornado pre-game. We're, and it got delayed. We're very aware. Yeah, got delayed forever. I don't know. With the end of that 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 box score, I, I might have just put it out of my out of my out of mind out of sight. Yeah. But I, I think it helped. I, t- I talked to a lot of the folks there, and it, I think it really helped. So it was. And then when my wife and I were deciding to come out to, to Cincinnati, we we're like, well, we got to come out. We got to find like tour apartments. We got to see that before we actually move can you ask your contact if they can get us tickets and they were and i was like yeah but it's against columbus i think that's going to be a little difficult and then the email response i got was yeah we'll try and they did so it was a really good sales pitch especially for my wife to come and see she was like this is great they love it here i love it so uh, she's coming out on saturday night to see the game so we're very excited oh man no that that is a, a heck of a sales pitch there and no, I mean that was that was a, a hell of a game. I'm curious then, where where does your soccer interest come from? Were you, I mean, you, you talked a little bit about covering it before, but sort of like what is your history as a soccer fan, if you are one? I mean, I, I guess it's yeah, not no, a requirement. I am. I am. Um, it started in college, funny enough, because like I didn't grow up with it as like TFC. I grew up in Toronto. And TFC were not like prevalent in Toronto until I was in college. Mm. Like it wasn't like they didn't go on that like run where they won the domestic treble until like my senior, my senior year. It was like, a you know, it wasn't really pre- like present in Toronto and the national team hasn't been tre- present since like, like a year ago. <laughs> yeah. And we know how that's going for them. So it's, it's so it kind of started in college when a, like a group of the guys on my floor in my dorm were like, we're signing up for intramural soccer. Do you want to play? And I was like, well, I want to make friends. So yeah, I'll sign up to play. And, and I'd never played before. So they stuck me in net. And so I was like, I can do that. Basically, they just told me to like catch the ball wherever it goes. And, and if someone comes running after it, tackle them. And I was like, I can definitely do that. I learned quickly. That's not how it goes. But it kind of like sparked the interest in, uh, oh, this is a lot of fun. And started watching it like MLS games on the floor. And at that time, Sporting Kansas City was really popular. And I, it, the school I went to was about two hours north of Kansas City. So we got watched a lot of those games. And that kind of expands into, oh, this is really fun. So you start playing FIFA and, and following MLS and following the Premier League. And I mistakenly chose Spurs as a team I wanted to support, which is just an incredibly dumb decision. But I love Sonny. So like I was like, OK, I'll stick with that. And then the Canadian national team gets really good. And I start following them more and more intently. And it's just kind of 
um, I, I kind of got caught in the funnel, so to speak, where it's like you 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 get latched on. It's like, oh, and then there's this thing, and then there's this thing, and then there's this thing, and all of a sudden, probably three years ago, I'm looking up and I'm watching like sp- like Spanish second division on ESPN Plus because I'm <laughs> like, it's on. I might as well. And and so I started following along like that, and then St. Louis City gets announced, and I was at the introductory introductory press conference in 2019. 2019. And it was like, oh, so this is going to be here. I got to start investing heavily in the MLS because there's going to be jobs to have. There's going to be things to do. And so I decided to invest heavily. And then like six months later, there's no sports at all. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's nothing. There's nothing to watch on television. But fortunately, the first thing to come back largely, except for Korean baseball was, which I watched a lot of Korean baseball. Don't get me wrong. Same. (laughs) Was, yeah, like, God, God, my, my NC that, that, that title and it was just the best. Um, the, that first night of watching Korean baseball, I stayed up till four in the morning. There was a rain oh. delay to start the game. I was just so I was it's like a drug addict going through withdrawals. Like, oh, my God, if I just stay up a little while longer, there will be sports. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, literally, that's exactly how I felt. And so I, like I, I can't remember what was the first thing. It might have been the Bundesliga came back first. And so it was like, what, like, and that's where they caught me like deep. That's what, that was like the real hook to where I'm at now is like, that's the only thing on, I can watch this. I, I, I understand the basics of it enough to really invest my time in it. And that's where it really caught me. So it's, it's a longer story, but I never played uh, at any competitive level. Um, I went to journalism school. That's probably like my, um, my biggest like thing that was like, you better start learning how to learn things. Because <laughs> um, like it, I, I covered college basketball. I didn't. I never knew anything about college basketball. But I was like, well, I better learn, or else someone like one of you guys is going to read my story and go, like, does he know what that means? And um, <laughs> so I learned, and so th- that's that's kind of where I'm at now. Is like I am very invested in in soccer and the growth of soccer, especially in North America, um, MLS Canadian, um, the interaction between Liga MX and MLS. I'm very invested in it but I'm still learning the history of FC Cincinnati. Like I've been on the job for seven days now. And so there's lots of things where I get, where I like talk to my coworkers and I'm like, I need you to like explain to me like a season, like what happened in 2018. It's like, Oh, that was the, this season. I was like, okay, so I can write that down. So that's where I'm still learning a lot. And it's a slow process, but I'm getting used to it. So now, is... At any point during this, at any point during this interview, if you have questions for us, you know, just feel free to throw those out. This can be a two-way interview then in that case, if you're still <laughs> yes. trying to get the lay of the land. <laughs> um, who is Frankie? Oh, man. <laughs> yeah, Frankie. Maybe I don't want to ask, Maybe I don't ask is, that, actually. Is who Frankie is. <laughs> yeah, there's, which Frankie are you talking about? There was the one that I'm not <laughs> oh, even convinced. actually a good oh, one. Was, that is a good question. <laughs> one that I'm convinced was a money laundering scam, and the other one was a draft pick, so you got to specify which one. <laughs> yeah, actually... Maybe I don't want to ask that. I actually, you know what? As a spokesperson for the club, I'm just going to re- revoke my question. <laughs> the, the answer to your question, if you look at the bottom of our website, we have a, a running clock of since Frankie thanked the fans. Uh, that is Frankie Amaya, one-time number one overall MLS Super Draft pick for MLS, uh, FCC's first MLS Super Draft. He was uh, you know, a big, exciting young prospect. He was the best player on that inaugural season roster and after the second season he demanded a trade a couple of other teams got their their wrists slapped by the league for tampering and uh, he now is a new york red bull and scored two goals is doing pretty okay for himself okay (laughs) 
got it. Understood. <laughs> but never gave the obligatory thank you to the fans. I had a great time here. I'm off to bigger and better things to eat or Instagram <laughs> post or whatever. And that's why we run the clock. <laughs> <laughs> this makes this is starting to make sense. Understood. <laughs> we were it was a sensitive time for for fc fans so. i'm fair, i'm fairly sure yeah i don't want to i don't want to speak out of turn here so we're, we're, we're we'll work I'll, I'll take note of that then i'll just yeah. put i'll put that in the back pocket and remember that i mean if there's a chance to criticize him in a future game i don't think anybody would uh would be too upset if you if you said <laughs> his his play was poor or something so even if it was great <laughs> we wouldn't want you to compromise your integrity though so no, only no, only pointed out if the play is actually poor. It's on us. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> I will say this does give us a unique opportunity to to beg to you to not erase the USL history. I know it is very easy in MLS to say sure. that Roman Celentano is the most capped FCC goalkeeper, or he may not be, but he's not close to Mitch Hildebrandt, who who spent three okay. years with this club, two years with this club. Um, and yeah, I don't know. It's a weird thing with MLS clubs that have longer history. And I think you actually see this with the Canadian teams as well. Interestingly, yeah. not Toronto, but Vancouver and Montreal both have longer histories. I'm always curious when teams acknowledge that. So like Nashville had a, a graphic out saying that they were founded in 2017, which is when their USL team started. But that was after an NPSL team that they sort of took over mm. for. It's weird. I never know when these teams are going to decide to declare their origin. But if you could keep the USL history alive, it was it was real to me. Damn it, I, I would <laughs> like to see it. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I will say, like in all of my orientation at FC Cincinnati, they specifically denote that it's the eighth year of the club, fifth in MLS. Or, or I think I think that that's correct. It is the it, it's it's not like the team just started. And when you walk into MHTC Training Center, what redundant MHTC Mercy Health Training Center, the the USL regular season trophy sits mm. right there as you walk in. That's the first thing you see. So I don't think that the intention is to erase the history. It's certainly not mine. Um, I do note when records, if we could check back through my story, but I do note MLS specific records i don't try and denote it as a franchise record and that's Since perfectly fine MLS. yeah so, Love so that. <laughs> i mean as time goes on we're now past you know like that inflection point of there being more mls years than usl years but it is a um a, a part of our history and we should acknowledge it and we should recognize it and it and we do or we have in my seven days since <laughs> the so no it's it's definitely happened because the, and this year has been even better than previous years, because I mean, I'm sure I don't know if you appreciated the moment since it was your first experience in TQL. But you ask anyone that's an actual supporter of this club, what one of your highlights of this year is beyond beating Columbus. It was GB being back on the field to pull the sword prior to the Columbus game. And if you're ever yeah. hard up for some things to do. Read up on the incredible tenure of GB or just ask some people around the front office. <laughs> Tell me your best GB story if you're still around. <laughs> That's fun. I will have I will definitely do that. I remember him being there and being like, he must have been really important because they are <laughs> screaming for this guy. And he, so I he, scored, he scored like every Five? goal yeah. during the, the 2017 US Open Cup uh, run. 
until um Red, until, until Red the Red Bulls game. Yeah. Uh, until the semifinal. So like every game they won he had until a, the he, semifinal, he, GB scored. Yeah. Yeah, man shows up man shows up on a free transfer from the Kazakhstan Premier League and scores four <laughs> goals against St. Louis in his first game. Like just, oh, yeah, that's true. The stuff of the stuff <laughs> of legend, this guy. Um, <laughs> oh gosh, RIP St. Louis FC. Yeah. <laughs> a club, a, a dead club. That's too bad. Yeah. Also beat also beat FC Cincinnati in an open cup game when we were in MLS. <laughs> Things yeah, got really rough those first few years. I was seem bad. to remember that. <laughs> was that in St. Louis? Was that at Lindenwood? Like yeah, sure St. Louis, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, gosh. So I have, a que- I have a question, sort of about your role here. So as a club employee, I know that MLB does this. That MLB.com has beat writers that work for the team. I know Mark Sheldon uh, for a long time was the Reds beat writer here locally for MLB.com. In your mind, how do you balance offering fans and offering the public a your perspective on what's going on with the club, but also acknowledging that you are, in fact, almost like state-run media to a certain extent. Like, yeah, how do you yeah, balance yeah. that mentally? That's a, that's a conversation we've had because the goal is to be uh, trustworthy, a trusted person in the community. But when you work for the team, there is a certain lens you have to work from. Um, the, the MLB.com model is the model I'm working off of. Is is these are I have you know John Denton, who's the MLB.com writer in St. Louis, is a huge inspiration of mine. He's a good friend, um, or someone I, I would call a friend. I hope he calls me a friend. Um, but that that's the model is is to the, like it's going to be honest. It's going to be about storytelling. It's going to be about telling the story of the team. If the story isn't uh, always great, it's going to be hard to avoid that kind of storytelling. But the storytelling is going to be the 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 uh, the focal point of the club, right? Like we, we, that's what we want to do is provide fans with that kind of um, access, that kind of information that I, that I can provide. People can't be at practice every day. So I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to be there every day and be the eyes and ears. Um, are there certain places where I can't be disclose a hundred percent of the information? Yes. That's, that's, just the reality of the situation. But what I hope is that people will come to realize that if I'm giving you information, it's not dishonest. It's not, um, it's, it's not outright lying, so to speak, but um, there is going to be a little bit of a negotiation between me and the fans that I'm going to have to, to walk. And that's kind of my challenge. And hopefully coming on podcasts like this is going to kind of teach people or show, not teach, show people that I mean, well, no, we can teach them. They're maybe very a different educated. <laughs> maybe a different podcast shows you mean well. You can go like Cincinnati Soccer Talk. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm trying to think what else we got. Uh, you mentioned that there's new faces at the club. Is there anything else you can tell us? I mean, I've, you've only been there for a week, and I don't know if you even know what you're allowed to give up, but it does sound like the club is revamping some of its content production. We've seen uh, digital editors and, and whatnot being hired on and things like that. Is there anything you can tell us about future plans or things to keep an eye on from the club content-wise? Um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think I can say that like we've brought on more photographers. We brought on a direct director of videography. Uh, they're still making hires throughout the club on things like uh, uh, what was it, comms and content. Like these things are still being developed. I don't like. I don't know if there's anything like really even secretive to share. It would just be <laughs> that we are like at this point we are hiring more people to come be 
you know, the club's voice and to come share content from ourselves. Um, So I guess I would look for things more, more video, more photography, more photography, more written. Um, It's just going to be more. And our social media team is so spectacular that like they are that, you know, the people I work with, you know, we sit down every day and decide what we want to do for the, the day, the week, the month, the year. And they just throw out some amazing, spectacular ideas that we're working on. Things like um, this weekend where they put together the uh, um, uh, Alvaro and Lucho, uh, they kind of surprise each other with the all-star nominations. Um, that's something that's cut, like that we organically put together and there's going to be more of that kind of stuff. And so hopefully that, hopefully fans will appreciate where, like where we're coming from with that, like content production for them. When when the Apple deal got announced, we were told, I think some of the reporting uh, mentioned there being a lot more expected of teams when it comes to like putting out video and content for the Apple app. Is 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 this like related to that or you think this is just something the team um, in, in itself just was interested in putting out more different kinds of things for fans to, you know, enjoy? Um, I don't want to speak out of turn just because I don't know. Um, I like, so I, I, I could easily say, oh, it's this or it's that. I just don't know. That's just not in my, um, that's not something that that's above my pay rate, my pay rank or, or whatever <laughs> phrase is, right? Like, that's a, um, when I was, when I was interviewed, I was told this is something we want to do. This is something we want to share. We feel like this is something we can, we can add and we want you to do it. And so I said, great, let's go do it. And so there's lots of little things that we, like we've done just adding, you know, we do the week, the, you know, three notebooks a week with information, uh, previews. We have a story tomorrow. Um, ooh, I guess that might be a spoiler, but then we have a story, we have a, sto- a story tomorrow about one of our FC, our Academy players who just recently made his debut with the first team. So you guys can kind of pick away at who that might be. There's not that many to pick from, <laughs> but like, you know, sitting down with them and talking with them and kind of, we're going to get more and more involved with the first team and kind of talking with them and sharing their stories and, and, that doesn't just, you know, that includes guys who only speak Spanish. We're going to work on that kind of communication because those guys, their stories might be undertold because media members might not be able to communicate with that. Well, fortunately, we have staff members who are bilingual, so we can kind of share that kind of information. So lots going on, but I can't say, I don't know personally if it's because of Apple specifically or not. Um, so I, I just don't want to speak out of turn. So it's yeah. interesting you said that. You kind of took a direction that I was about to head. It's different covering soccer than it is covering a lot of other sports in North America because so much of the player base is international. Um, yeah. You can cover an NFL team and there might be only one country represented on that team, sure. the United States. Um, what are some of the challenges to telling those stories for players when you might have a, you know, Yerson Mascara from Colombia and then a Yuya Kubo from Japan and just disparate backgrounds from the players? Uh, one is creating the relationship with the player so that they know when you're asking a question that you're not out to get them. That's a very difficult thing to do. And it's it's a thing I saw oftentimes in St. Louis with people who weren't as acclimatized, like the soccer. I don't want to say any particular media member, but just like people who weren't as acclimatized. So the exact question you're asking is it's an international game. If you try and like meet someone for the first time and throw a lot of like euphemisms or colloquialisms at them, they'll understand it if you put it in their native tongue. But like, imagine me using a French slang term at you. You'd have no idea what I'm trying to ask you. And so creating that relationship between a player is vital to just being able to clarify, to ask the question plainly, to go through an interpreter, to to kind of um, 
get what you the question you're asking in the most clear way and then get the response in the most clear way. It, it's 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 a fascinating difference because in, in covering baseball, you have you do have Spanish, which is a you know that that's a prominent language with, within our club. But you don't have as as prominent with you know Portuguese. You don't have as prominent with French as we're going to get uh, very very soon with Japanese. So it's developing the relationship is kind of going to be my goal over this first season, just to kind of go to these guys and go like, hey, I'm not here to, to I'm not out to get you. Like we are here to talk. I want to tell your story. I want to be a, an ally for you to a certain extent in, in in that case. So that that's a it's a difficult challenge already that I faced just after that Toronto game, just trying to like communicate properly and being like, I'm, this is what I do. I'm, I know I look like a journalist, but I work for the club. Like, <laughs> like this is, t- this is tough. So um, we're getting better at it every day though. So we're working on it. Yeah. I think it's important too, with soccer being international and the relationship with players in the press in other countries may be very different as well. I think we have a very polite soccer media here versus what you might get in England or other parts of the world where they very much are out to get you and you do need to have your defenses up in those interviews. Yeah. Um, But that's part of the, that's like the international aspect is why the game is so special, right? Like the fact that you can track like a player from Gabon coming to your club and making an impact. And then, you know, that makes, look at how that makes your, your starting 11, like look at all the different flags out there. I think that's what makes soccer so special. Oh, it's so great. No. And we're, and you did, you, you did mention that we're having a player come in where we're going to have to learn to speak more French with this being with Bupenza being your first big acquisition in terms of, we have made this play uh, acquired this player. He will be the first player of a designated player statute stature that's coming over while you're working for the club. What sort of things get you excited about telling a story for a new player like that and introducing a new player to the fan base? Oh God, what gets me? I mean, there's so much, a, a guy who could have an impact. Like the, the nice thing about signing a guy like Aaron is he's going to be a person who is going to be the, the front of your club in a lot of different ways. He's going to be the face. People are going to want to know things about him and he's going to be you know, and from what I understand, he's quite personable. He's quite easy to talk to. He's excited for that kind of thing. Um, that's just from like very rudimentary, you know, research online that I haven't actually had a conversation with him yet. And I th- I'm not quite sure when he, when he formally gets here. Um, so like that, that kind of storytelling where it's like a guy coming from, you know, I think most people don't know where Gabon is or what that means or what his, upbringing is or what his background is or the things that he likes the things that what's the the connection what's the relationship point to cincinnati that he can tie into because i think everyone can in one way or another tie into their club and their city so that that kind of that makes me excited it's a big name and a guy who's going to make a difference and so it's it's a big responsibility at the same time to um accurately portray him off the bat so that people know who this guy is that's that's kind of kind of be a a thing starting very, very soon is, Hey, who's this guy? What's his deal? Let's get to know him. Yeah. Chief, you know, until you ask that question, I, I realized the last two guys in Bupenza's spot that we'd done this with, with Locadia and Brenner, I, I'll, I'll chalk it up to the pandemic mostly, but we did not get to learn about these guys as they came here and they sort of remained enigmas until we were able to pick at it more and more and more. So 
Yeah, now I am very excited to get off on a, on a running start with a new designated player striker and get to know him, know, know his background, see see what makes him tick. I mean, that's that's great. I, I'm I mean, I very it, much it looking forward easy, to that. It makes it easier to root for guys like that. It yes. makes it more exciting yeah. to be in the stadium when you kind of have a personal, you know a little bit of the personal story, what it took for this person to get here, the background they come from, what makes them tick. I think that, you know, I think that when the city really fell in love with Lucho Acosta, honestly, not just the goal scoring and not just the team getting better, we're seeing him with his kids down the field where there's there's a human side to that player beyond just the person who puts the kid on and goes to work for the team. And I think that's it's a really underrated aspect, I think, of what makes people sports fans or what elevates you from being a casual fan of a team to really caring about the well-being of a team and its players, I think, is that having that personal connection. And on the other side of that coin, you have a guy like Nick Hagland, who's a local and you can create tie-ins to him. And he's one of our own is a, is a true, a true enough statement. Right. And so how do you create everyone to feel like one of our own with as much ease as Nick Hagland does? Well, not everyone's from Cincinnati, but it's going to be my goal to make it feel like it. We can pretend. Don't worry. We'll just pretend like the, all these guys are from Cincinnati. Um, (laughs) We were joking that when, um, so Laurel reported that like Lucho was in the citizenship process. Mm-hmm. So we were we were joking that the second he becomes an American citizen, they should start announcing him as from Cincinnati, Ohio, because this is where <laughs> oh, he became be, a citizen. Yes, you know? that would be very funny. <laughs> that would be yes. That that's a that's a very funny idea. It's, well, I mean, like I, I joke that Nick Hagland is the resident Canadian on on this weekend for for Canada Day, having with his time in Toronto, which is where I first got to know him as a name. So maybe that that's fine. We'll, we'll, we'll make that trade, I guess. <laughs> what, what goes into being deputized as an honorary Canadian? Is it like you're served a bowl of poutine? You have to pick a hockey team that you're a fan of, or like, how does that work? Winning a domestic treble is a really good way to start. <laughs> <laughs> going, going to PKs in the champions league was, it was a, it was a really good way to start. Um, uh, poutine or poutine as the, uh, as the French would call it. Um, I know, uh, you know, like, what's, what's another good one? Uh, chip trucks, that's where you can get some good poutine, but if you just like French fries and don't want the rest of it, uh, a good a good batch of Molson's or the bats, depending on which province you're from. Uh, those are both, those are both good uh, good ways to be deputized as an honorary Canadian. <laughs> Trip to the Muskokas, you know, I can talk to him about that, I guess. The Muskoka uh, Bay Lake region. So that's a, a very popular destination for a lot of pro athletes. So I'd imagine that might be a fun one. You uh, Letter Kenny or Trailer Park Boys? Uh, Letter Kenny, because it my parents wouldn't let me watch Trailer Park Boys when, I, when it was coming. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I never really got to watch it. So Letter Kenny. Oh, the correct answer was Kids in the Hall, but I'll, I'll let oh, it slide. Oh, that's another good one. Yeah. <laughs> No, uh, no, Carter, you've you've been very gracious with your time. Very excited to see your work and all the content coming out of FC Cincinnati. Um, tell the folks where they can find you. Where where will they find this content? Well, uh, I'm on the FC Cincinnati website, uh, social media. I'm at Carter Chapley. Uh, you can find me there on Twitter uh, at Carter Chapley on uh, Instagram as well, though I don't post there very often. But you never know when you might need to. Um, leave Twitter and just have a backup. So uh, at Carter Chapley's, we're going to find most of the information on Twitter. Uh, and then for the stories is on uh, the FCCincinnati.com website. Perfect. Well, awesome. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you guys.
We're back. And again, thanks to uh, to Carter for coming on. Uh, excited to see that the team is going to step up, especially the video content. I know that's not like what he's doing, but it was good to get confirmation that they are, in fact, going to invest more in that because w- the Apple deal has been ha- good. But yeah, I was happy to see that he's modeling his coverage after the MLB.com approach, mm-hmm. because I think that that has been. You know, like I said in the interview, state-run media is always kind of tough to trust, but I think that the MLB beat reporters have actually done a pretty damn good job of walking that line between propaganda and actually being good reporting, and I really enjoyed the stuff Sheldon used to write for Reds.com, so I'm hoping that it is something like that. Yeah, uh, and I've... He seems like a good guy. He did, he said he wasn't going to lie to us. So hey, I'll I'll take anything I can get there. I'm just uh, glad you got him. You know, his first week before anybody told him he shouldn't, shouldn't come be on coming show. on this podcast. <laughs> yeah, no, I I was very tempted to scream at him. How dare you stand where Charlie Hatch once stood? But uh, we let that one slide. Um, <laughs> FC Cincinnati has. Game of the season, I think it's fair to say, uh, if you you set aside rivalry matches. Uh, coming up here at home on the parking Armageddon of Saturdays in Cincinnati. New England Revolution visiting. They are second in the East and therefore second in the Supporters' Shield behind FC Cincinnati. Pretty far behind, but what are we at? Nine points? Six points? What is this? Seven points behind. Wow, we can really do some math. Uh, they are seven points behind FC Cincinnati in the standings. They are thankfully also missing a handful of players. They are not missing their goalkeeper, their star midfielder, their star striker. Yeah, so, they're missing. Um, <clears throat> they're missing Dylan Barrero. Okay. Uh, Frank Stallone. No, sorry, Nacho <laughs> Nacho Heel, uh, Carly's Heel's uh, brother. <laughs> Uh, Henry Kessler, Maciel, Christian McCoon, Tommy McNamara, and then uh, those guys are all out for injury. And then Dewan Jones is with the national team at the Gold Cup. Yes. Whereas we are missing everybody we've been missing, plus Ian Murphy with the red card suspension. But, but, but. Our son is home. Our son has been given <laughs> back to us. Our son returns. We will Thank have you. Yerson Mascara back in the lineup. Fresh Probably. Legs. He was not training when he first came back. So uh, it did did see the report out that he was, I guess, returned back today. So that is good. We desperately, desperately need him. Um, yeah, Chief, I are you nervous about this one? It's funny. I haven't Hell really yeah, thought about this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> how can you not be nervous about how bad this game went on? Uh, last weekend, and we're probably going to have the same lineup rolling out there for this one. Um, not Ian Murphy. Not Ian <laughs> Murphy. Maybe, hopefully, Yuya Kubo back from whatever Kubo's his. back in training. So And Don Baji also is back in training. Okay, he was and out I'm, with a different illness early this week. Yeah, so. I don't know what's going around. He's going to have to clean the toilet seats there or something. <laughs> you would also hope that Sergio Santos is ready for more of a shift than just the cameo mm-hmm. appearance he had in the last game but shit i don't yeah. know i don't know how you can feel confident about this game new england's really good they're most of their best players are still going to be playing it's a home game so i guess that 
if you're one of those people that thinks that there's some value to the home field advantage, which the stats absolutely back up in this league, that it's, makes you a little more confident, but shit. Yeah. This is a rare moment in this this campaign where actually they have not lost a game in their last five, and we have. So that uh that that hasn't happened too often in this one. Uh Grayson, we don't typically do this, but I'm curious, what is your backline prediction for FCC in this one? Um Alvaro left wing back mascara left center back hagland center center back powell right center back maybe gaddis but i think probably powell and then um arias is right wing back yeah the i was thinking the same thing the only alternative i could come up with is if you wanted to bench Powell after that performance, you move Mosquera to the middle, put Gaddis at the left center back, and Haglin at right center back. So here's why I don't like that, because okay. I did think about it. Um, Gaddis, I know he played left center back against Toronto, mm-hmm. but he's naturally a right, right-sided right player. Okay. And <clears throat> Mosquera has played a lot of left center back this year, and he was very, very good at it. Yeah. So I I think Mascara on the left center back and Gaddis on the right center back is a stronger back three. And then with Hagland, I think he has to play centrally. Yeah. Because if you play him at right center back, then you need to figure out, okay, are we playing Gaddis or Powell? In the center, are we playing Yersin in the center? Okay, well, if we're playing Yersin in the center, then that means we have Gaddis back at left center back, which again, like it worked fine against Toronto. Um, Toronto was I a would, much worse I, team. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I, I don't think we need to put ourselves in that position for this game. Yeah, no, you know what's interesting right now is if you, I was just looking this up, please. New England Revolution uh, fourth in the current betting favorites to win the East on the Caesars Sportsbook, even though they huh. seem to have been nipping at our heels for most of the year, along with Nashville. That's that's good odds. I would take that. Yeah. yeah. Actually, I Chief, let's assume all of the forwards that are available are healthy, if that makes sense. Who would you start up top as the, the top two? Um, I think you got to go Santos and Baji if they're both healthy. Yeah. Um, I think that Grayson brought this up a couple weeks ago, and it's kind of stuck with me, is that Yu Yakubo is the team's best midfield replacement, best striker replacement, probably the best defensive mid replacement. Well, I mean, maybe you could quibble on that now that Angulo's been playing a lot better. But I think Moreno might not be available too. Just right. So depending on that, I would have Kubo in reserve, depending on how this game goes, to do something either coming on as defensive help or coming on as attacking help. But I would start if they're both healthy. I would start Santos and Baji in this game. Yeah. Yeah. Kubo was the only question mark there is do you do you think he brings something that Baji doesn't put? I respect the hell out of Archimedes Ordonez for coming back to play as opposed to staying down and uh, being called up for whatever was it the under 20 World Cup or Gold Cup. Gold Cup. I respect the hell out of him. 
he has shown me nothing this year in terms of his MLS play to make me think that he's an option other than as a last resort right now. Um, yeah. No slight. It just it, it didn't look good last week with him, I didn't think. He does. It, he just he needs senior minutes. So it was a good move for him to for him to stay back. But he's fourth for me behind. The three that you were the three yeah. that you were talking about, and I don't know. I haven't seen enough of Valenzuela, but right, maybe, <laughs> maybe, or I mean, in all likelihood, even Lucho gets moved up there, and you trust Pinto to come into the midfield instead. Yeah, um, it's a possibility. Right. So I'll ask you this, Kevin and Grayson too. Complete the following sentence with a player: FC Cincinnati wins this game because whatever oh. steps up. Alvaro Barrio. This is this is a game where we need. I mean, I, I could throw Arias in there as well. We need the wingbacks to step up and be that Plan B. Lucho is Plan A, and whatever happens with Lucho happens with Lucho. Without the strikers, FCC needs another another you know trick, and the wingbacks have to be that. And it sucks, but like. Barial or Arias on set pieces, moment of magic, whatever it is. We we need a goal from one of those two. I'm going to say Mascara. Um, <clears throat> we just we need defensive stability again, and we can't go down to New England. You know, two goals in the first half. Right. Um, I just I just don't see us battling back against a team that good who also has like some very deadly attackers yeah so like if if we're not if we don't score early we at least need to keep the game at zero zero you know or certainly not worse than one zero yeah and i think that a lot of that depends on is mascara going to be that much of an improvement over you know what we saw from from the defensive line uh, against DC. If I offered both of you a draw right now, would you take it? Yeah, absolutely. You, you almost like after seeing how bad it looked against DC, you almost have to be happy with draws until Miazga comes back specifically. Yeah, I would take it. But one of the things I like about, you know, this team and Pat Noonan is you know i don't think they would take it yeah <laughs> that's fair <laughs> just trying to get a mindset check i don't i want them to go for a win don't get me wrong just trying to get a mindset check so then chief i'll ask you the uh the growler cup question yeah. um wait sorry that's a that's my other podcast uh <laughs> prediction time what are you what are you going for one one draw i'll Maybe? take it i don't know depending on the order of the goals i'll take it yeah <laughs> grayson two one loss oh uh well then if you've if you've left the uh the the stable option open i will take it one nothing victory for fc cincinnati <laughs> <laughs> i wouldn't hate it yeah i would take that for sure yeah, yeah. i wouldn't hate it <laughs> Oh my gosh. Uh, well, we'll see how it goes. 
Uh, God bless anybody who is uh, going to attempt to park down there. I would say uh, Metro is running some 24-7 lines, so maybe see if you can't find an alternate route down there. Um, but otherwise, probably parking around Northern Road is going to help. But yeah, I, that's it, man. God be with you in your quest as you <laughs> navigate the Taylor Swift apocalypse in Cincinnati, Ohio. <laughs> Oh, man, we may not have the All-Star game next year, but at least we have this. So, yeah, well, I have one message to the city hosting the All-Star game this next year. Fuck Columbus. All of the music in this podcast was done by Jim Trace and the Makers, an amazing local Cincinnati band. You can find more information about them in the description of this episode. Also, be sure to check out The Post Cincy at thepostcincy.com. That's where we're posting our written content. You'll find a wide range of content there posted regularly. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a rating or review on your favorite podcast app, or better yet, share this episode with a friend, a family member, a fellow FC Cincinnati fan, somebody you think might enjoy this content, please send it on over uh, to them. We would really, really appreciate that. And if you haven't done so already, we do have a Discord server. Feel free to drop in and join the conversation happening there. Again, links to that can be found on the website or in the description of this episode. Thank you so much for listening.